Section 11 from Richard of Jamestown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Richard of Jamestown, A Story of the Virginia Colony, by James Otis. Section 11. The Effect of Captain Smith's Return. It was well for us of Jamestown that my master returned just when he did, for already had our gentleman, believing him dead, refused longer to work, and even neglected the hunting, when game of all kinds was so plentiful. They had spent the time roaming around searching for gold, until we were once more in need of food. The sickness had come among us again, and of all our company, which numbered a hundred when Captain Newport sailed for England, only thirty-eight remained alive. Within four-and-twenty hours after Captain Smith came back, matters had so far mended that every man who could move about at will was working for the common good, although from that time, until Captain Newport came again, we had much of suffering. With the coming of winter, Nathaniel and I were put to it to do our work in anything like a seemly manner. What with the making of candles or of rush-lights, tanning deer-hides in such fashion as Captain Smith had taught us, mending his doublets of leather, as well as our own, keeping the house and ground around it fairly clean, in addition to cooking meals which might tempt the appetite of our master, we were busy from sunrise to sunset. Nor were we without our reward. On rare occasions Captain Smith would commend us for attending to our duties in better fashion than he had fancied lads would ever be able to do, and very often did Master Hunt whisper words of praise in our ears, saying again and again that he would there were in his house two boys like us. This, you may be sure, was more of payment than we had a reasonable right to expect, for certain it is that even at our best the work was but fairly done as it ever must be when there are houseboys instead of housewives at home. Master Hunt had a serving-man, William Rods, and he was not one well fitted to do a woman's work, for in addition to being clumsy, even at the expense of breaking now and then a wooden trencher bowl, he had no thought that cleanliness was, as the preacher often told us, next to godliness. It was he, and such as he, that caused Captain Smith and those others of the council who were minded to work for the common good very much of trouble. The rule, as laid down by Master, was that those living in a dwelling should keep cleanly the land round about the outside for a space of five yards, and yet again and again have I seen William Rods throw the refuse from the table just outside the door, meaning to take it away at a future time and always forgetting so to do, until reminded by someone in authority. However, it is not for me to speak of such trifling things as these, although had you heard Captain Smith and Master Hunt in conversation, you would not have set them down as being of little importance. Those two claimed that only by strict regard to cleanliness, both of person and house, would it be possible for us— when another summer came, to ward off that sickness which had already carried away so many of our company. After Captain Smith had brought matters to rights in the village, setting this company of men to building more houses, and that company of hewing down trees for firewood, which would be needed when the winter had come, Master Hunt made mention of a matter which I knew must have been very near to his heart many a day. A NEW CHURCH 
During all the time we had been on shore, the only church at Jamestown was the shelter beneath that square of canvas which he himself had put up. When it stormed, he had called such of the people as were inclined to worship into one or another of the houses. But now he asked that a log building be put together, while it was yet so warm that the men could work out of doors without suffering. And to this, much to my pleasure, for I had an exceedingly friendly feeling toward Master Hunt, Captain Smith agreed. Therefore it was that when the storms of October came, Master Hunt had a place in which to receive those whom he would lead to a better life, and I believe that all our people, the men who were careless regarding the future life, and those who followed the preacher's teachings, felt the better in mind because there was at last in our village a place which would be used for no other purpose than that of leading us into, and helping us to remain in, the straight path. CAPTAIN NEWPORT'S RETURN it was at the beginning of the new year, two days after my master was set free by the savages, that Captain Newport came back to us, this time in the ship John and Francis, and with him were fifty men who had been sent to join our colony. Fortunately for us, there were but few gentlemen among them, therefore did the work of building the village go on much more rapidly, because there were laborers in plenty. A larger building, which was called the fort, and would indeed have been a safe place for refuge had the savages made an attack, was but just completed at the beginning of the third month, meaning March. There Captain Smith had stored the supply of provisions and seed brought in the John and Francis, and we were already saying to ourselves that by the close of the summer we should reap a bountiful harvest. All these plans and hopes went for naught, however, for on a certain night— and no man can say how it happened, save him who was the careless one, fire fastened upon the inside of the fort, having so much headway when it was discovered, that our people could do little toward checking it. The flames burst out through the roof, which was thatched with dried grass, as were all the houses in the town, and leaped from one building to another until it seemed as if the entire village would be destroyed. It is true that even the palisade, which was near to forty feet distance from the fort, was seized upon by the flames, and a goodly portion of that which had cost us so much labor was entirely destroyed. Out of all our homes only four remained standing when the flames had died away. The seed which we had counted on for reaping a harvest, the store of provisions, and a large amount of clothing and other necessaries were thus consumed. Good Master Hunt lost all his books, in fact everything he owned save the clothes upon his back, and yet never once did I, who was with him very much, for he came to live at our house while the village was being rebuilt, hear him utter one word of complaint or of sorrow. Gold Seekers It was while all the people, gentlemen as well as laborers, were doing their best to repair the loss and to put Jamestown into such shape that we might be able to withstand an attack from the savages, if so be they made one, that even a worse misfortune than the fire came upon us. Some of those whom Captain Newport had lately brought to Virginia while roaming along the shores of the river, in order to learn what this new land was like, came upon a spot where the waters had washed the earth away for a distance of five or six feet, leaving exposed to view a vast amount of sand, 
so yellow and so heavy, that straightway the foolish ones believed they were come upon that gold which our people had been seeking almost from the very day we first landed. From this moment there was no talk of anything save the wealth which would come to us and the London Company. Even Captain Newport was persuaded that this sand was gold, and straightway nearly every person in the village was hard at work digging and carrying it in baskets on board the John and Francis, as carefully as if each grain counted for a guinea. Of all the people of Jamestown, Captain Smith and Master Hunt were the only ones who refused to believe the golden dream. They held themselves aloof from this mad race to gather up the yellow sand, and strove earnestly to persuade the others that it would be a simple matter to prove by fire whether this supposed treasure were metal. In the centre of the village, where all might see him, Master Hunt set a pannikin, in which was a pint or more of the sand, over a roaring fire, which he kept burning not less than two hours. When he was done, the sand remained the same as before, which, so he and my master claimed, was good proof that our people of Jamestown were, in truth, making fools of themselves, as they had many a time before since we came into this land of Virginia. A WORTHLESS CARGO When we should have been striving to build up the town once more, we spent all our time loading the ship with this worthless cargo, and indeed I felt the better in mind when finally Captain Newport set sail. The John and Francis loaded deeply with sand, because of believing that we were come to an end of hearing about treasure which lay at hand ready for whosoever would carry it away. In this, however, I was disappointed. Although there was no longer any reason for our people to labor at what was called the gold-mine, since there was no ship at hand in which to put the sand, they still talked, hour by hour, of the day when all the men in Virginia would go back to England richer than kings. Because of such thoughts was it well-nigh impossible to force them to labor once more. Yet Captain Smith and Master Hunt did all they could— even going so far as to threaten bodily harm if the people did not rebuild the storehouse, plant such seed as had been saved from the flames, and replace those portions of the palisade which had been burned. It was while our people were thus working half-heartedly that Captain Nelson arrived in the ship Phoenix, having been so long delayed on the voyage because of tempests and contrary winds, that his passengers and crew had eaten nearly all the stores which the London Company sent over for our benefit, and bringing seventy-four mouths to feed. Save that she brought to us skilled workmen, the coming of the Phoenix did not advantage us greatly, while there were added to our number seventy men, and of oatmeal, pickled beef and pork, as much as would serve for, perhaps, three or four weeks. Through her, however, as Master Hunt said in my hearing, came some little good, for on seeing the yellow sand, Captain Nelson declared without a question that it was worthless, and being accustomed to working in metal, speedily proved to our people, who were yet suffering with the gold fever, that there was nothing whatsoever of value in it. End of section 11